a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to a special New Year's Eve edition of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. And as always, we've got a lot of ground to cover as we move through the fastest 60 minutes of radio. And today we're going to do it a little bit different. Uh, we're looking at 2020 hindsight from 2020, hoping to find some insight for 2021. And so we're going to begin today going back uh, over the year to something I shared back in April, uh, early days of the pandemic. And I actually spent a segment of this radio show reading a children's book, which I think is probably more applicable to us today uh, than it was when we read it back in April of this year in those early days of the pandemic. The book is called What Do You Do With a Problem by Kobe Yamada. Uh, a lot of things to, to cover today, and, and as I mentioned before the break, it is International Children's Book Day, and so we thought we would have a little story time, and, and to me, the key to story is the story has to be amazing, wonderful, and awesome for the children, but it also has to be really good for the adults, and uh, I have a, a book that, that I just love. I actually read it to my grandchildren via FaceTime uh, the other day, and it's the, I read it and I hadn't read it in a while. I thought, wow, that's actually pretty applicable for today. And so we're actually going to do a little story time. I'm actually going to read. So get your, your children around the radio. Make sure you got your KSL News Radio app open and ready. Uh, and while the children should enjoy this, and I encourage you to get this book, the visuals of this are just phenomenal. Uh, the book is by Kobe Yamada, and it's illustrated by Mae Beeson. Uh, and it's called What Do You Do With a Problem? Sound familiar? I think we're all there. Uh, we're all inside. We're all checking it out. And so for the next few minutes, we're going to have story time, and I'm going to read you what do you do with a problem. And here we go. I don't know how it happened, but one day I had a problem. I didn't want it. I didn't ask for it. I really didn't like having a problem, but it was there. Why is it here? What does it want? What do you do with a problem, I thought. I think we're all thinking that a lot today. I wanted to make it go away. I shoot it. I scowled at it. I even tried ignoring it. But nothing worked. Also sounds familiar. I started to worry about my problem. What if it swallows me up? What if my problem sneaks up and gets me from behind? What if it takes away all of my things? I worried a lot. I worried about what would happen. I worried about what could happen. I worried about this, and I worried about that. And the more I worried, the bigger my problem became. I wished it would just disappear. I tried everything, everything I could to hide from it. I even found ways to disguise myself. But my problem, it still found me. 
And the more I avoided my problem, the more I saw it everywhere I looked. I thought about it all the time. I didn't feel good about it at all. I couldn't take it anymore. This has to stop, I declared. Maybe, maybe I was making my problem bigger and scarier than it actually was. After all, my problem hadn't really swallowed me up. My problem hadn't even attacked me. I realized that I had to face it. So even though I didn't want to, even though I was really afraid, I got ready and I tackled my problem. When I got face to face with it, I discovered something. My problem wasn't what I thought it was. I discovered my problem had something beautiful inside. My problem had an opportunity. It was an opportunity for me to learn and to grow, to be brave, to do something. My problem showed me that it was important to look closely because sometimes opportunities only come once. So now I see problems differently. I'm not afraid of them anymore because I know their secret. The secret Every problem has an opportunity for something good. You just have to look for it. So there you go. There's the solution. What do you do with a problem? Uh, it's a great children's book, again, by Kobe Yamada, uh, illustrated by May Beesom. Uh, excellent book and very applicable to the time. Not only uh, is it a great way to start a discussion with your kids, uh, it's probably a great way to start a discussion with your spouse or your colleague because we do, we do have a lot of problems around us, but there is an opportunity inside. And it's been fascinating to watch, especially here in Utah, to see how people have rallied, see how people have innovated, see how people have come together uh, to do something better. So I'm going to ask you today, uh, I want to know best, best children's book. Since we all have a little extra time to read ourselves, to read to our children, to read to our grandchildren, even if they live far away, you can do it over FaceTime. I'm proving that every day. What's the best children's book for the time? Uh, give us a text. Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line 57500. Again, 57500. Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line. And let me know, what are some of those good books that we should be reading with or to our children and or maybe for ourselves is the real answer uh, to figure out what to do. But to me, this one was really the, the heart of it. Uh, what do you do with a problem? And it's all about discovering that we often make problems bigger than they are. We worry about them more than we should. And we often miss the opportunity that's contained inside. And so we have to find that. One of the other things I wanted to hit today, uh, just as we start rolling through, at times like this, we're, we're often looking for that reassuring voice. Uh, obviously, in radio, it's all about voice and how you can communicate. Uh, Jay Evenson, great writer for the Deseret News, pointed me to a Vin Scully video. Now, if you're not a baseball fan, Vin Scully is the ultimate voice of baseball forever and ever. And he put out a little message uh, to all of us, and it's just that reassuring voice. Listen to this. Times. 
Certainly, I don't have to tell you that. But having lived as long as I have lived, I've seen this country, the greatest country on earth, get off its knees, literally and figuratively, when they were down and out during the Depression, and when they were on their knees after the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. And what happened then, they unleashed a tiger. The tiger was the whole country pulling together and getting not only back on its feet, but saving the whole world. So you and I, yeah, things are tough, but we'll be up off our knees soon. And we just want to remind you about that. And in the meantime, spend the precious time at home with your family, pray a little bit more like most of us will do. And above all, try to smile. Because when you smile, that makes everybody else feel better. God bless. All right. That's the voice of the great Vin Scully, one of the great baseball announcers of all time. Uh, nice for him to kind of do a little recap and remind us where we've been as a nation. Uh, I loved how he pointed out that he has seen the country on its knees and get up. And I think the the interesting analogy there is that in order to get up off your knees, the country might just have to get on their knees uh, just a little bit and uh, pray a little more, reflect a little more, uh, be a little more focused on those around us than just our own uh, pursuit and our own objectives there. So great, uh, great insight. Again, just one of those great, calming, reassuring voices. I think we can all take some time today to think about what do you do with a problem? Uh, There's lots of great answers and great solutions in there to be found. Share those with us on our Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line at 57500. Also, make sure you've downloaded the KSL News Radio app powered by Any Hour Services so you don't miss a thing as we go through this special New Year's Eve edition here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to this special New Year's Eve edition of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. As we look for some of that 2020 hindsight from the year that was 2020, hoping to get some insight for 2021, uh, one of the things that stood out for me was a series of speeches delivered by Elder David A. Bednar, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, focused on the essential nature of religion, particularly during a pandemic. One of those addresses was delivered to the G20 Interfaith Forum uh, in Riyadh. 
Uh, of course, it was done virtually because everyone was still quarantining and, and social distancing. Uh, but this address from Elder Bednar to me really lays out why, even in the midst of a pandemic, we have to hold on to those first freedoms, especially the freedom of religion. I'm grateful and honored to participate with you in this G20 Interfaith Forum. In the face of widespread and growing confusion about the essential role religion plays in our personal and communal lives, this interfaith gathering is more important now than ever. We may come from different religious traditions, but we are united in our commitment to promote understanding and true respect for religion and people of faith. Our Saudi Arabian hosts have addressed many priorities, but it is clear that the COVID-19 pandemic has tragically emerged as the unavoidable overarching theme. My aim is to highlight some of the most critical lessons that religious voices have been learning. The ongoing pandemic has demonstrated that some government officials fail to understand how and why religion is fundamental to the lives of billions of people. COVID-19 regulations have often distinguished between essential and non-essential activities and then treated religious activities as non-essential. This completely misconceives how vital religion is to people's lives. Governments obviously have a crucial role to play in protecting people from the coronavirus, and I applaud the sincere efforts of government officials around the world to do so. As with secular activities, religious activities should be carefully limited when truly necessary to keep people safe. No one has a right to spread a dangerous virus. But that is not the end of the matter. How secular officials understand religion and religious people deeply influences how they treat religious institutions and believers in a time of crisis. The deeper and more respectful the understanding, the more legitimate and effective public policy responses can be. Surely, at least part of the crisis of legitimacy in the response to COVID-19 arises from the failure of some policymakers to account properly for the centrality of faith in the lives of believers. For billions of people around the world, religion is the very center of our lives and the core of our identity. Our faith calls upon us to love God above all else. It defines who and what we are, how we understand the meaning of our lives, and how we live each day. It is the source of our strength, consolation, and hope amidst sorrow, travail, and death. Faith traditions are the incubators and shapers of family and community life, creating and sustaining the spiritual ties that link and bind people together. Religion transmits moral and social truths to the next generation. Can anything be more vital? Our faith is more than just important to our dignity as human beings. It is essential. The centrality of faith to human dignity is why international law holds that basic religious freedom is non-derogable. In other words, it cannot be taken away or forfeited, even in times of emergency. To deny such freedom is to deny something fundamental to a believer's soul. Severing people from their religious communities threatens people's spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical health. Experts are documenting the rise in depression, 
physical and emotional abuse, suicide, and other tragedies during times of social lockdown and isolation. Some have construed calls for sensitivity to religious freedom during the pandemic as cavalier demands to ignore the risks of COVID-19 or to disregard sound public policy. That is not what responsible voices in the faith community seek. By recognizing religious freedom in a time of COVID-19 and by acknowledging the essential place of religion in people's lives, governments and policy experts can win allies in a common struggle against not only health risks, but other serious risks as well. Strong connections among family, deeply held religious beliefs, and a community of faith have long been associated with better mental, emotional, and physical health. These critical connections are at risk when blanket bans are issued against religious gatherings. My call is for respect, accommodation, and cooperation, for creative solutions that mitigate the threat of COVID-19 while not cutting people off from an essential part of their lives. In many instances, the lack of such respect has backfired, creating suspicion toward government and the undermining of its legitimate efforts to control the pandemic. Choosing to disrespect religion rather than find ways to safely accommodate it has serious consequences. It infringes on the dignity of believers. It harms numerous personal and communal interests, and it diminishes trust in the important efforts of public health officials. There is a better way. Religion can be a powerful font of legitimacy and practical assistance in a time of crisis. Many religious leaders already have called on their members to make great sacrifices out of deep love and respect for the safety of others. Acknowledging and respecting those sacrifices and seeking for greater cooperation and accommodation is the way forward. Misinformation is a major obstacle in a health crisis. Faith communities can debunk rumors, calm fears, and facilitate accurate information. Many will be fearful of vaccines. Religious leaders can be helpful in the fight against the coronavirus. Respecting the dignity of religious people pays important dividends, but these powerful opportunities and benefits are possible only if officials acknowledge that for believers and their faith communities, religion is essential to their identity and very being. It is my hope and prayer that government officials and faith leaders can collectively respond to COVID-19 in ways that protect both physical and spiritual health. As I now conclude my message, I joyfully do what for me is essential. I express these thoughts and share these hopes in the name of him whom I serve, whom I love, and whom I represent, even Jesus Christ. Thank you. Again, that was Elder David A. Bednar, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That was his speech delivered to the G20 Interfaith Forum earlier this year. And to me, a landmark, very important uh, conversation about the essential nature of religion. We're going to go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour break when we come back much more on our New Year's Eve edition of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio.
Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as we've been looking at our 2020 hindsight, really looking for some insight from 2020 that we can take into 2021, uh, of course, one of the big issues and the big challenges the country faces is the leadership challenge, the leadership question. Uh, we've had several conversations about this over the course of the year on this radio program, including one uh, back in April where we opened up the text line and had everyone chime in on the Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line at 57500, weighing in with what are the most important qualities that we actually want out of leaders today. And that was followed by my conversation with Doris Kearns Goodwin, author, historian, someone who has studied leadership at the highest levels in the United States and around the world. And here's more of our insight on leadership for 2020. We've been talking leadership today. And as we looked at leadership, uh, I invited all of you to to join the conversation through our Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line, 57500. And, and I just asked a simple question. Just give me one. What is one single most important character trait you want uh, in a leader today? Uh, and the text line lit up in a hurry. And uh, let me just share a couple of those with you really quick. Uh, integrity and honesty uh, came up a lot. Uh, willing to listen. Willing to compromise. Uh, problem solver, vision, uh, honesty's on there, integrity's on there a number of times. Uh, doesn't tweet. I think that one's a direct uh, shot at the White House. And then, of course, the next one after that said doesn't criticize, uh, isn't, a, isn't a Trump hater, uh, but is focused on uh, getting things done. Uh, respect for others. Uh, to see what's uh, in the best interest of everyone, not just your party. So people over party. Plays, well's with, uh, plays well with others. Outward, I love this one. Outward mindset, open-mindedness. That's awesome uh, in a leader. Outward mindset, open-mindedness, uh, really interesting. Uh, humility is uh, another one that's up there. Uh, so some great, uh, some great insight there. Uh, I want to go back to an interview that I conducted with uh, historian Doris Kearns Goodwin. Uh, she actually wrote a book on leadership, uh, looking at the lives of four of America's presidents, Uh, who each took office in some challenging times, dealt with some big, big issues, some big problems to solve. Uh, And I wanted to get her perspective in particular because uh, it's, it's all about what are some of those key traits and what should we keep in mind, especially as we are in the midst of this big coronavirus crisis uh, and the challenges that it brings, not just now in terms of, of health, uh, but in the long-term impact in terms of society and community and it, her uh, perspective was really interesting when I when I asked Doris Kearns Goodwin, uh, what should we be thinking about in terms of leadership as we look at where we are today? You know, I think one of the most important things to remember from history to make us feel calmer and get a sense of perspective on the turbulent times we're living in right yeah. now is that America has been through far more difficult times before. I mean, just imagine what it was like for Abraham Lincoln coming into office when the country is split in two and more than 600,000 people are going to die. He wasn't even sure he could live through those first months in office. Or think of Franklin Roosevelt coming in when the Great Depression was at its height, or the early days of World War II when it was unclear that we could ever match the military might of the Nazis. And yet somehow this democracy and the people pulled together And I think if we remember that now, it will make people feel that we'll get through these turbulent times right now as we have before. That's what history does. It gives you perspective and solace. 
All right, and that's uh, my interview with Doris Kearns Goodwin. You can feel that, you can hear that entire uh, interview on our Therefore What podcast. You can get that wherever your podcasts are playing and on our KSL News Radio page. And, you know, I just loved her perspective on that. To one, remember that there have been worse times in our history, to be sure. Uh, I love the fact that she pointed out that, you know, Lincoln's entering in the in the, in the midst of a civil war where 600,000 people are going to die in that process Uh World War II with Roosevelt and so on, uh, but always saying that, you know, we, we do come together in this country. And usually it is a call from a, a great leader uh, that just provides the spark, uh, because I, I really believe the essence of, of it is really self-leadership. Uh, it's how we lead ourselves and then how we lead our families and then our communities and neighborhoods that ultimately make the country what it is. And we've seen so much of that. We've seen so many good things happen in the course of this uh, coronavirus pandemic uh, where people do help a neighbor in need. They do reach out. They do rise up. Uh, And so I want to just share a couple of other leadership principles that I've been watching over my career uh, that I think we really need to look hard for as we look at who are we going to elect. Uh, And I always divide. When someone's elected, that doesn't make them a leader. Uh, leaders are are made, not born. It is not a title to be given. It is something to be earned. Uh, and so a couple of thoughts. Uh, one, leadership is uh, is not a zero-sum game. And we see far too much of that uh, in the world today. We've talked about that a lot during this hour today, uh, that everybody can win. Uh, there's enough and to spare. We have to have this abundance mentality, especially in our politics, uh, that there is room for that. Uh, because leadership's also not about division. Uh, politicians, outside interests, you know, driven by their own self-interest, they raise a lot of money off of division. Anger, fear, frustration, we've talked about that. They run campaigns on wedge issues and convincing us that we're just too divided as Americans to to deal with issues like health care or immigration or whatever it may be. They just convince us we, we can't do it. Uh, and because they divide us over and over and over, uh, it gives everyone an excuse to do nothing. And the status quo prevails. And so that's not leadership. That's power control. Uh, we really need to to look to elect people to become leaders. Again, remember, they're not leaders when they get elected. They become leaders. They earn that from us, the voters. Uh, they have to be willing to challenge members of their own party. Uh, it is easy to fight with your enemies. It is easy to call out your foes. The challenge is what do you do when you have to tell your friends the hard truth? Are you willing to stand up to party? Are you willing to stand on principle? Are you willing to do the right thing for the people regardless? And it's much harder to do that to your friends than it is to your political foes. And we have to have people who have the courage, the leadership courage to do that. Uh, Leadership is also about getting out of comfort zones. Challenge the status quo. Uh, I was always stunned in Washington, the, the lengths that the leaders of both political parties would go to. So no one had to take a hard vote so that everybody could perpetually be reelected. And just a reminder, it's a we the people problem. We reelect incumbents at a rate of 94%. 94% of incumbents get reelected every election cycle. So we've got to ask harder questions. We've got to be more focused as voters. We've got to be more engaged as citizens uh, and asking the leadership question. Uh, I often criticize uh, those, in not just in politics, but in business, uh, I've met a lot of people who have leadership titles, but their leadership is only a vision of themselves as the leader. And that's not real. That's not sustainable. 
So we, we have to expect more and not less. So we have to get past the, I actually call them the acting leaders and not uh, acting in the way of someone who is temporary, but literally acting. They're just acting like the leader because they have been given the title of leader. And those uh, folks do a lot of uh, motion, but not a lot of forward movement. They're always kind of managing everything to hold on to power as long as possible. In fact, I think that's the one final question you should always ask yourself before casting a vote for anybody to any office. What will this person do outside of politics? How will they make a difference if they lose the election, not win the election? Because that's the test. Because if you want your politicians to show political courage, they have to be willing to walk away from it all. They have to be willing to lose the next election in order to show political courage today. And so we have to to really get beyond all of that if we're going to get to the real leaders. Yeah, we talked about enthusiasm today, too, as a leadership quality, which is so good, especially when we're all a little exhausted and a little tired uh, right now. We we need leaders to call us to what's next. Uh, one of my favorite sayings, it, it's been said that an army of sheep led by a lion are more to be feared than an army of lions led by a sheep. <laughs> Think about that one for a minute. True leaders create positive outcomes. They elevate those they lead in, in major ways. And this is where I love history. History is filled with the undersized, outskilled warriors, athletes, and organizations that went on to achieve the extraordinary because they were led by a lion, not a sheep. (laughs) A real leader, an authentic leader, a focused leader, a purpose-filled leader. Uh, That's what we really need. Uh, And there's all kinds of that uh, all around the country. People who have lion-like individuals around them, but we're all just kind of floundering a little bit because of the current circumstances. We need leadership to call us to step up and to do more. Uh, We don't have time to waste. Uh, We only have time to win as a country, and that's going to require each of us to begin where I think leadership does begin, and that is self-leadership. Self-leadership is the answer to all of this. If we want great leaders in office, it starts with great leaders ourselves, great leaders in our communities, great leaders in our country. We're going to step aside for our last commercial break here on this special New Year's Eve edition of Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. When we come back, we're going to talk about what it takes and what it will take from each of us to usher in a new day for America. Don't miss it. Stay here on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Welcome back. Final segment of this special New Year's Eve edition of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. We're looking at 2020 hindsight and looking for some insight as we roll into 2021. We've been talking that the experts declared pandemic, of course, to be the word of the year for 2020. And it's interesting, if you go outside of the talking heads and listen to the American people, the word I heard most often from American people was the word weary. I don't know when I have ever seen the nation and our citizens seem so incredibly weary. The 24-7 news cycle filled with negativity, tragedy, and angry rhetoric adds to our weariness. And you know, it's, it's a weariness of both body and mind that unfortunately does not disappear with a good night's rest. Many in our neighborhoods and communities greet the dawn with weariness. 
only to feel the discouragement and despair deepen as the day drags on. You know, few Americans believe the country's on the right track, and fewer still have confidence that the future will provide improved prospects for them, their children, or for the country. No one has confidence that Washington will end the weariness of the nation. Overcoming the nation's weariness and creating a positive future for America will, like most worthy undertakings, require all of us to push past our fatigue, endure some difficult days, rally ourselves to a cause bigger than ourselves, and rekindle our commitment to community and to each other. And you know, we should remember that in most endeavors that matter, we run out of energy long before we run out of opportunity. Weariness is always the enemy of good people who simply want to do good. We have to overcome the weariness. When I talk to people around the country about the state of the nation, many start with that weary sigh that we've become all too familiar with. They express some exasperation with the tone of our conversations, frustration with the pathetic rhetoric of both political parties, and worry about those they love and what will become of their work, their company, or their community. Then, in typical American fashion, they let go of that sigh of weariness. They straighten up a bit and say they remain hopeful that the country can turn the page from what has felt like a long, dark night in 2020, and that somehow, some way, a new day will dawn for the country. The resilience of people always amazes and always inspires me. I have, once again, reflected on what it will take to usher in that new day for America. There are many big things that must be done in the country, but the dawn of a new day will begin. And with small and seemingly insignificant acts by individuals, we will move into the new day. Long years ago, I heard a story that may hold part of the answer for America. It was a Jewish rabbi who sat enjoying the sunrise with two of his friends. The rabbi asked one of the men, how do you know when the night is over and a new day has begun? The friend replied, When you can look into the east and can distinguish a sheep from a goat, then you know that the night is over and the day has begun. The second man was asked the same question by the rabbi, and he replied, When you can look into the distance and distinguish an olive tree from a fig tree, then you know the darkness of the night is past and a new morning has come. The two friends then asked the rabbi, well, how could he tell when the night was over and the day had begun? The rabbi thought for a long time and then said, when you can look into the east and see the face of a woman, and you can say, she is my sister. And when you can look into the east and see the face of a man and can say, he is my brother, then you know that the night is over and the light of a new day has come. You see, the night of weariness ends, and the new day for our country begins with kindness and with treating each other, especially the stranger and the struggling, like brothers and sisters. Of George Albert Smith, 8th President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it was said that he lacked the prowess of an athlete, that he was too homely to win popular favor, and that his weak eyes prevented him from becoming a scholar but he could excel in human kindness. So he made love and kindness his specialty. On another dark night, that dark night after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., 
Bobby Kennedy stepped onto the back of a truck to address an already weary crowd. He acknowledged the devastating darkness of the night. Then he invited his listeners to join him in creating a new dawn. He said, What we need in the United States is not division. What we need in the United States is not hatred. What we need in the United States is not violence and lawlessness, but love and wisdom and compassion toward one another. We really do have much to do to move the country forward. Many difficult conversations will be required. Authentic leadership will be needed. And the engagement of every citizen will be absolutely essential. But we can start. We can start by recognizing that we're all travelers. When we glance at the masked faces of those we pass each day, we must look deeper into the eyes of weary strangers and see into the faces of our brothers and sisters, our fellow travelers. If we do, weariness can be washed away, and a new day for us and for them can dawn. You see, morning will come to America, but it's up to us, each of us, to help usher it in. A new dawn, a new day is coming with the year 2021, and it's up to all of us to greet that dawn as brothers and sisters. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on this special New Year's Eve edition of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. And as always, and especially as we end one year and begin the next, as you go out into the world, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that will make a difference. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.